You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Busy 8 o'clock hour, Connor McGahee, the voice of the Avalanche, does stuff for the Broncos, the PA at the Broncos games. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour, tee up the Flames and Avalanche Tomorrow night down in the Dome as Calgary's back after their five-game roadie after falling 2-1 to the Predators last night. Defense! That's uh, like his job. Defense! Gets everyone all fired up. Yeah, and like the, the horse sound effects they always do there. Do they do a lot of horse sound Lots effects? Lots of those horse sound effects that there. Feels um, gratuitous. We also have uh, our intern Noah uh, for the week. Mm. And uh, he's going to get you caught up on what Canada did at the Australian Open last night or this morning. Australian Open. 30 seconds tops, because I don't want to upset the text line. Tight 30. I don't want to do that. Uh, speaking of the text line, 960-960. Uh, saw it on Sunday Night Football. Night Court with John Larroquette coming back on NBC and uh, Peacock. What's the show you want to see come back? 960-960 like name and location. Like, shout out Peacock, eh? Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Streaming site. One of the million of streaming sites. Yeah, there's a bajillion there. of them. Uh, our next guest, we haven't talked to him in a while. For the, for the first time in 2023, <laughs> super excited to talk to uh, Adnan Verk, NHL MLB Network, the Cinephile Podcast on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Adnan, good morning. How are you, pal? George, Maddie, Happy New Year, boys. There's that mm. great Kirby enthusiasm where Larry David says he can only say Happy New Year after three days. So to be yeah. as obnoxious as possible, I keep going as long as I can. As you said, this is our first conversation of the year, yep. so it is indeed a Happy New Year, and I'm so pumped for Night Court. I don't watch, <laughs> I think, any broadcast television. As you guys know, yep. I just watch movies. And if I'm going to watch television, yep. as I've always been a huge HBO guy, The Sopranos, Oz, you name it, mm-hmm. of course, now Succession. So I don't watch anything on CBS, ABC, NBC, or Fox. The fact I'm going to sit down tonight and watch a 30-minute situation comedy, and it's from my youth from the 80s. I can't wait go. for 8 Eastern tonight. Yeah, um, again, credit for John Larroquette for being around. Uh, rev- like, you know, he's back as as Dan Fielding. Like, good for him, like, oh. making that money again. I, I could appreciate that. Uh, there's two things you said there that I want to get to. Number one, I, sure. I don't I don't think this is hyperbole. I, I genuinely believe this. this. There's an episode on Curb, and if you don't watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, you should. The episode with the Ku Klux Klan robe <laughs> is, in my opinion... The greatest sitcom episode I've oh. ever watched in my entire life. Oh, I mean, I would go with Palestinian chicken myself. I think it's okay. incredible. <laughs> but, 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 but I just had a friend. I mean, as you said, George, by prefacing saying anybody who doesn't watch it, what is wrong with you? Do not watch it. Yeah. I just had a friend text me, go, hey, I just started watching. I go, what? This show's been around for two decades. Yeah. And so I had to think back to the first season, Beloved Aunt Becomes Something Else. Uh, Bob Odenkirk playing Porno Gill. I'm like, yeah, no, I remember that first season is pretty great. Yeah. But you're right, the, the Ku Klux Klan episode. Just even saying that out loud, you go, what? Yeah. You go, trust me, you've like, got to see that. You, ha- you, just, you just have to. Like, it is just <laughs> one of the most phenomenal episodes of a sitcom I've ever seen in my life. All right, outside of Night Court, uh, what's, what's the yeah. TV show that needs to come back? Well, the one I love, I mean, the two back-to-back, of course, Thursday, NBC, Musty TV, the other one was Family Ties. Now, I don't know oh. how you could do it because Michael J. Fox was so incredible yep. as Alex P. Keaton. But 
as a kid, I didn't understand a lot of the political overtones, right? The fact that the parents were hippies and big liberals. And of course, he is of that Reagan era, huge yes. conservative money, money, money. So I just think it would be it would be fascinating to kind of reboot. But I don't know how politicized it would be. Maybe it wouldn't work because today's world is too politicized. But if you could somehow make a way to make family ties. Get Elise back in the mix. I mean, that would be yeah. Mallory. I, I I would love it. I don't know how they could do it, but it'd be great. Uh, do you think Mallory and Nick are married and have kids? <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time, one of my favorite jokes is Mallory invites Nick over for dinner, and they're having like a nice, you know, sit down, and then Nick says, do you guys always eat like this? And Michael Fox says, you mean with utensils? <laughs> <laughs> like, can I just say, Adnan, the blank look Matty Rose and the rest of the guys on the show right now have have no idea what you and I are talking about, but that makes it awesome. I was there for a bit with Curb, and then it was right no, back out yeah, the and door. Then family yeah, ties. See ya. Okay. So sorry, that's one. And what was the other? Uh, no, Family Ties is the one. But Night Court is what I'm excited okay, about. They yeah. don't know what Night Court is? Yep. They have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I remember watching Dan Night Court. Field, a, a quick primer here, Matty Rose. John LaRiquette, who, is, as, <laughs> as George correctly said, is basically taking the money. I saw him on Seth Meyers this week. He's like, you know, why now? Why are you rebuilding Night Court? He's like, well, I, I resisted for a lot of years, but I thought it was a fascinating concept, you know, to come back and to revisit a character I played 30 years ago. And in the past... You know, he was a defense attorney. Now he's a prosecuting attorney. So I thought it was a different wrinkle. And I'm thinking, John, I love you. It's just for the cash. Yeah, like, <laughs> no kidding. They're throwing, right, they're throwing a ton of money at you. As you guys said, there's a million streaming sites. Hey, we need content on Peacock. Let's trade off the fame of a bunch of guys in their 40s who want to watch Lakers. Let's just say that. I'm in yeah. it for the money. That's it. it there you the go. I won four Emmy Awards for Best Supporting Actor. It was amazing. you yeah. got to watch Nightcore. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of our listeners right now who know exactly what we were talking about, and a lot of our listeners going, "What is going on here? I have no idea what these knuckleheads are saying." <laughs> Let me try and bring it bring it back to like the now. Okay. Uh, what will it take for you to watch HBO's The Last of Us, Adnan? Yeah, that's a good question. I saw people tweeting about that last night, and I go, you know, I, I so I me this is how dumb I am, Maddie. I go, I know this is us. I know that show signed off, which was <laughs> for years. I heard the best. Yeah, I know that was the best show on broadcast television, which I haven't watched in decades. And then I know House of the Dragons was kind of in that mix, Last of Us. And I saw people saying it was very emotional last night. I'm not going to do it. I mean, there are shows that I hear are great. I just I don't have the bandwidth. Like The White Lotus people rave about. And I go, I love it just to see Michael Imperioli. I love him from The Sopranos. Right. I went to the Garden yesterday, Raptors, Knicks. Michael Imperioli was courts. And I'm like, yeah, I love that guy. Christopher Moltisanti. But I just can't do it. It's just not going to happen. All right, there you go. Uh, lots fair. going on. Uh, I have I gave you the comparison yesterday, uh, Adnan. Want, want to get your take on this? Um, you you obviously worked in Toronto. Uh, you've lived in the United States for a long time now. Is is it just too easy to compare the Dallas Cowboys and the Toronto Maple Leafs? I feel like those two are so linked. Their fan bases are so similar. Living on past successes way too long here, yeah. and always being the most overrated teams in both their leagues year in year out. <laughs> It's a great comp, George, and you nailed it for all those reasons. And the number one to me is, as you said, the arrogance. Like, there's just this whiff of arrogance. Not even a whiff. It's a stench yeah. of arrogance <laughs> around the team, the owner, the play, everything. And you're right. It's like, hey, we're the least. Like, we run things. Like, bro, you haven't won since 67. And the Cowboys, it's like, no, no, America's here. Like, in, in what America? Like, you, you haven't been relevant for, like, 25 years. Even once since 95. Like, yeah, Troy Aikman is still in the booth, and I got it. Emmett Smith and all the rest of it. But you guys are classic chokers. Like, either you underachieve when you have a great team, or when you're expected to play well, you completely collapse and fall flat on your face. And so that's why I was building into what we've seen so many times. Like, you know, 
Brady's going to win at home. The Cowboys, as usual, will fall flat in their face. And much to my dismay, as an Eagles fan, they look great. And Dak actually looked like the star that he thinks he is and the Cowboys fan base thinks he is. And the five touchdowns and only, I want to call him Marr, like Bill Marr, but Maher, with those four missed extra points, I mean, unbelievable. And the amount of people, <laughs> funny, George, I think Bach and Aikman on the Broncos is like, oh, man, you're going to feel for him. I go, what? Why would I feel for him? He's a cowboy. I'm thrilled by this. <laughs> Missing four extra points, first yeah. time since 1932. I hope he misses again. And by the way, here's what I, I cheer for most of all, is when people, because Aikman does credit, so he goes, they may be looking for another kicker next week. And they cut the shot at Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones said today, they're not going to do that. I'm like, great. I can't wait to see the <laughs> Right? When Jerry Jones said, Mike McCarthy's job is not in danger, I'm like, great. He's an overrated coach. I love it. Don't hire Sean Payton. Don't go get a new kicker. Right. Please keep the stooge there and keep Mike McCarthy. And congrats <laughs> on a nice win against a sub-500 team in the box. You're not going to win the Super Bowl. Not this year. Not next year. Not anytime soon. You're the Cowboys. You're overrated. Done. So they choke and get smoked by San Fran Sunday, right? Without question. And I, and I, I cannot wait, by the way, from the rule in the old video of the nine. I mean, those games, 90s. Cowboys Niners, like just epic rivalry between oh, yeah. those two teams. I'm just picturing, right, Steve Young scrambling and uh, they're going wild at the star in Dallas. I mean, it, it, it's going to be awesome to watch that game. But uh, the Niners are terrifying to me. As an Eagles fan, I'm like, God, I mean, Purdy's unbeaten, but who cares? It, it's more their defense. Like, they, yeah. they are number one in virtually every statistical category. They, they shut down teams, and I can't imagine – they're going to allow Dak and company to have any sort of like CD Lamb. Good luck. It's going to be like Silence of the Lambs, right? He's going to be completely shut down against the 49ers. And their offense is obviously got Debo Samuel and Kittle, and Purdy's been great. But to me, it's all about San Fran's D and how they just impose their will. I cannot imagine a Cowboys upset at San Francisco. So we were talking about it a little bit earlier on the show, looking at the teams that remain. And there's a couple that maybe stand out as teams that maybe we still don't believe are Super Bowl contenders. I'd say the Jags and the Giants. Do either of them have a chance of beating their opponents Saturday uh, with the Giants going to take on the Eagles and the Jags facing the Chiefs? I'll say a puncher's chance, Matty, because I'm astounded that the Jaguars came back. I went to bed, shame on me, uh, mid-third quarter. Saturday night, old man Burke calling a night like 11 Eastern. And I'm like, wait, what? I woke up and I had text me like going, Dougie P. And I'm like, obviously, it's going to be Doug Peterson. I'm like, wait, was it, was it, did he go, not to a tantrum or something? Like, what happened to you? I'm like, wait, they came back. So just to have the wherewithal to come back from being there 27-0. And we all know, yes, it was the Chargers who have really made choking an art form. And of all their painful losses, this was the worst one. But if you can show that kind of moxie, I'll give you a chance. But to your point against Mahomes, and Arrowhead, that feels like a two-touchdown win for KC. Maybe the Jaguars surprised, and they hang tough for most of it, the way Miami did against Buffalo and almost surprised them. But it feels like KC wins. And the Giants, I cannot wait for this tired rhetoric of how hard it is to beat a team three times in one season. It's not that hard if you're the better team. The yeah. Eagles are the rested team. They're the better team. They're at home. And the second game, by the way, they play primarily against the Giants' backups. So it's not like Brian Dable's like, all right, we were sitting pretty boys. We got waxed the first game. Second game was close to the shot. should have been. We know the game plan. No, no, If you haven't beaten them twice, it's not like, you know, when you do multiple choice, you go, okay, A was the first answer, B is the second answer, has to be C now, right? No, it doesn't work that way. The better team's going to win, and the better team is the Eagles. They're, I can't see the Giants winning. How much are we headed towards a, with all due respect to my man Matty over here, a Bengals fan, that uh, college bowl game, AFC title game between the Chiefs and Bills in Atlanta? 
it's what I want to see because, you know, again, I think Eagles Niners would be a hell of an NFC championship game, Oof. but I think everybody wants to see Chiefs Bills. I mean, after that game a year ago, I mean, that's, I mean, that entire playoff run for the NFL is probably the best postseason I've ever seen. And that game in particular was an instant classic. And the Bengals certainly have their admirers like Maddie. And yeah, I'm not going to turn off Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase, but to get that kind of matchup again with what those two franchises signify, like KC is still the beast of the block, even though it's only one Super Bowl. Mahomes wants to prove, no, no, I'm a multiple Super Bowl champion. We're going to get this done. And for Buffalo, still trying to overcome that hump and to lose in such heartbreaking fashion a year ago. Chiefs Bills, I, I can't imagine, wouldn't be 34-31 electrifying high-octane football back and forth. Adnan Verk, NHL MLB Network Cinephile Podcast, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, it's another year, another offseason, almost, uh, almost pitchers and catchers time. Why the hell doesn't Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have an extension yet with the Toronto Blue Jays? A long-term extension. Forget this arbitration nonsense. Why is he not locked down long-term here yet, Adnan? I'm with you, George. And it's funny. I kept hearing everyone saying, like our buddies John Morosi and others who cover the Jays, saying, all right, their big wish list is another starting pitcher and a left-handed bat. I'm like, I'm with you. They absolutely need to shore up those areas. And I'm glad that Brandon Belt is now in the fold and they made the trade for Dalton Varshow and you know, obviously, Teoscar leaving isn't great, but they've shored up their bullpen. But ultimately, Vlad and Bo, that, that number's going to keep climbing. And, and you, you heard the cacophony of noise coming out of Boston and how New England was like, wait, we lost another one of our guys in Xander Bogarts? Like, this can't keep happening. Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, let's re-sign Devers. And the whispers were he's not going to re-sign until after the year. And then guess what? $331 million changes mind. So we all know for Vlad, the number's going to be a three. And for Bo Bichette, it's going to be a two. So I, I'm thinking... If you're going to give Vlad Jr. 10 years, $300 million or somewhere in that range, he's going to sign. And similarly for Bo, if you want to go eight years, 200 or somewhere in that mix, 10, 250, that would get him signed. Now, if you don't want to do that because Bichette, his defense isn't as strong and maybe you're not, you know, he doesn't have the star power of Vlad, that's fine. But I'm with you. You got to sign one of those guys. Like uh, this arbitration, these guys, Dan O'Dowd told me, the former Rockies GM, he goes, they're going to start to get really expensive because of arbitration. Yeah. And eventually, guys start to get annoyed too and go, hey, well, like, where's my deal? Like they're looking around to see what these guys got paid, particularly in this offseason. Like that shortstop class, everyone got taken care of. Even Correa, you can joke, well, he should have got 330 from the Giants. He still got $200 million. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. I, I don't know why that wasn't on the to do list to say, hey, left handed bat, starting pitcher, shore up the bullpen, help out Romano. Oh, and sign at least one of Vlad and Bullock. Those guys really are your cornerstones. How much better are the Blue Jays now than they were against the, versus the collapse against the Mariners to wrap up their season? Well, it's so tricky because you look at a best of three and you look at two games and go, okay, well, one game we just, like, Castillo was awesome, and Manoa gave up a couple early home runs, and the second game was just an epic collapse after the bullpen was terrible. So that could that happen again? I'm like, of course it could in a best of three. But I think they've at least addressed weaknesses and improved the problem becomes, are they better than the teams around them? Like the Red Sox haven't done anything, and they're still probably going to be last in the division. But Baltimore, by virtue of their young players getting better, like a full season of Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman feeling more comfortable, and they're going to call up a couple of young starters. Like the O's are going to get better, and last year was a pleasant surprise for Baltimore fans. The Rays are still the Rays, and the Yankees, they did get better. Not just signing Judge, but Rodon, to me, has been a top-five pitcher the last two years in baseball. So, like, that's a real shot in the arm for the Yankees. So for the Jays, I think, okay, you said we've improved. We've definitely gotten better. And Varsho, like I talked to guys who cover the D-backs, go, you're going to love that guy. He's an absolute gamer, runs to the wall. He can hit, hit home runs. Like he's 
Like that was a strong, strong pickup in terms of identity and, and just being like a, a guy who's going to help out the locker room. And again, Brandon Belt, you, you bought low there saying, can he reclaim some of the magic in his bat because he hasn't been the same guy he was when he was winning World Series with the Giants. But ultimately, are they that much better? Like, no, they're, they're two or three wins better? Sure. But again, you can always follow a script, George, where you can say, what if there's other issues? You know, injuries are always the great unknown. What if Vlad gets hurt, Bo gets hurt, et cetera? What if George Springer can't stay healthy? You know, Kier Myers right. brought in as a defensive wizard. What if he gets hurt? So I think that always plays a part. But I'd say they're incrementally better from a season ago. I think they're a playoff team. But I don't think they're the best in the division. And that's, I think, ultimately what you should be fighting for. Adnan, going into the offseason, we thought that the story around Aaron Judge was going to be the biggest topic. But honestly, it was pretty anticlimactic. He just goes back to New York. Instead, Carlos Correa has kind of held the headlines for a lot of the offseason, signing with the Mets and the Giants, but then not signing with either and actually staying with the Twins. What did you make of the wild situation that we saw with Carlos Correa and his maybe bum right leg, maybe? (laughs) It's so crazy, man. I've never seen it. I'm 44 years old. I've been covering baseball forever, and I've been loving baseball for longer than that, and I've I've never seen it. And now it's kind of like whenever the three of us, you you buy a house or something, they go, all right, Here's a bunch of forms of sign. Don't ever read the fine print. Now I will do so. Now make sure you read every single word. And now every single time a guy signs, I will pause with bated breath with the three words, pending a physical. Mm-hmm. In the past, you thought it was a formality. And now the fact that this fell apart twice, it's shocking to me, particularly on the Mets end. For San Francisco to say, hey, we're gun-shy about spending 330 even though they really needed a star, and they had their lowest attendance in San Francisco in 20 years. Like, without Buster Posey, they don't have a face to Francis. They desperately needed a guy. Correa's the guy. No, we see some stuff. Fine. Stevie Cohen, like, I was like, he doesn't get told no very often. Like, he's in Hawaii, so, hey, let's sign him. Okay, whatever it takes. Sure, yeah, 315. And then the doctor's coming back to him saying, like, eh. And I heard Michael Kay describing it on New York radio saying what they found was an issue with the ankle. And they said, in four or five years, it's going to go. And once it goes, I don't know what that means, broken ankle, fracture, whatever, I don't know how much he's going to be able to get back. And they're pretty confident that's going to be the issue. And Correa, of course, is balking at it. But know what the contract is that he got. It's six years of the Twins. So the Twins doctors buy it the same thing. Or I mean, these guys all talk. Hey, don't give him more than four or five or six. That's it. And after that, if he stays healthy, kudos to him. But you're insane if you give this guy an 11-year contract. And I think ultimately for Steve Cohn, this is something he's not used to feeling. And that word is embarrassed. Like, he went out and made a big-time move here. I'm sure season ticket sales shot up. The whole concept of Correa and Lindor left side of the infield. Like, he didn't get to be the richest guy in the game by making bad decisions. He's smart and astute. And this time he came back with a little bit of egg in his face. Like, hey, the doctor's like, you guys should have told me. Don't touch this guy before we go ahead and made him a gigantic offer. Now we look a little bit silly, and we still look a piece short. And again, as good as the Mets are, I think the Braves are the better team on paper in that division. So it's something I've never seen before. I can't imagine what Correa is saying to Boris. Like, I don't know if he's annoyed at his agent saying, hey, we, I could add 315 rather than, hey, I'm glad I got 200. Like, I, I don't know how that conversation goes, but I'm sure Scott is telling him, hey, your AAV is still 34, 35 million a year. It's six years. But I got to think, Maddie, he, he did not imagine he'd be back in Minnesota of all places. Adnan Verk from the Cinephile Podcast, NHL MLB Network. Um, Adnan, terrific stuff. Uh, get excited to watch John Larroquette saying, you know what, I just had to do this different <laughs> character. I just wanted to, you know, really, it didn't matter the, the amount of dollars NBC was throwing my way. Like, I guess now's the time to come back. 
good what for him. What a gift to revisit a character I played 30 years ago. The, yeah. the lecherous, perverted, four-time Emmy Award-winning Dave Fielding. Yeah. But, but that's the wrinkle, George. Hey, before I was a defense attorney, now I'm a prosecutor. Yeah. How can I say no to that exactly. kind of opportunity? What a great idea. Such a jump. You know, such a challenge <laughs> in characters. Uh, we're getting a lot on the text line. I think this is the third time I've gotten it. Uh, I don't think people realize that Magnum P.I. is actually on television. Like, they brought it back. <laughs> That's true. Like, it's and on. The guy doesn't look anything like Selleck. Yeah, I don't think he has, like, a big giant mustache, nor does he wear a Detroit Tigers hat. Like no, he does. Selleck in the 80s. He does wear he the does? Tigers okay. hat. He does the Tigers hat. Yeah, okay, and he good. drives a Ferrari, <laughs> too. But Higgins is a woman now. Oh, okay. Yeah. That changes things. Yeah. But, uh, as, yeah, seriously. Um, Adnan, great stuff. Let's do it again soon. Thanks, George. Thanks, Matty. Take care, boys. There you go. Um, yeah, Magnum PI is on television. Like, just a heads up. Yeah, it's out there. Yeah, it got rebooted a while ago. Yeah, we literally went through this exact same cycle, like just before the pandemic, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. It went from CBS. Now it's going to be on NBC. Uh, and by the way, Adnan it's Burke, good man, uh, was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Dine in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered by No Why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner, 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, or call 403-248-3344. We got a busy last segment of the program. By the way, yeah, um, today, um, I, I, I should have... Bad host. Bad George. Bad George? I should George. have been talking about this more. What did you do? Um, we, we're kind of not doing the replay anymore with the big show. Uh, starting at 9 o'clock today, uh, producer Patrick Dumala, technical director Alex Brody, doing another hour of the show. Bonus. Yeah. So it's, like, so it's like big show extended. Bonus big show. Maybe mm-hmm. bigger show. The bigger, bigger show. Big show plus. Yeah. The huge show. Maybe, well, no. I think we still have to keep it big show. It still has to say big? Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. a different type of big. I just think they didn't want to rebrand it much. They so just keep <laughs> it big show. It's too much. <laughs> they didn't want to use our Twitter account. Wait. We still well, have? What? Is that back yet? Wait. No. Uh, what the? So, yeah, yeah, you've only been gone for a week. It's still not there. Don't worry about it. No, it's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. Nothing to worry about. So uh, you guys are doing an extra hour starting today mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future, which we're all super excited about and excited. Really yeah. excited. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Justin Dunk on the show today. There you go. Lots of CFL talk to get Love into. That. Obviously, Nathan Rourke signing with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, a big piece. And uh, what else is uh, coming around the league here with uh, about ooh, a month away from free agency? I like it. You and Alex got that starting at 9 o'clock. But straight ahead, uh, we, we got a lot of business to attend to. Uh, Connor McGahee, the voice of the Avalanche, does PA for the Denver Broncos. Our intern, Noah, will get you caught up on what happened to Canadians at the Australian Open. And I think we got to revisit... Uh, Matt Rose trying to say valedictorian oh, on the air. Crap. What do you mean, oh crap? It's just another one in the, the long yeah, list the of... Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Mm-hmm. We don't hide from anything on this show. And and we'll mix in a few more texts. Which show would you like to come back? Busy World final... Journament. Yeah. World Journament? Is that what Pesadilla? you said? Pesadilla. No, that's fine. Yeah, it was World Journament. All right. World Journament. Uh, more to come. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Straight ahead, uh, lost to do. Uh, Matty Rose trying to say valedictorian. Our intern, Noah, uh, with an Australian Open update, how Canadians did down under. And we'll wrap up the text line, 960-960. Uh, what's the show you like to see come back after it was announced on Sunday Night Football? 
Night Court is returning after like 30 years. They also network television. They also dropped the trailer for The Mandalorian on yesterday. Yeah. Season three trailer. I did see that. It looked very good. Good for you for being excited about that. Your boy's hyped. Yeah. And then uh, at the uh, top of the hour, no, we're not saying goodbye. Um, Patrick Dumas, Alex Brody, uh, more big show, bigger, bigger show. Justin Dunk on the uh, CFL at the top of the hour. But right now, uh, he is the voice of the Colorado Avalanche for Altitude Sports. We say good morning to Connor McGahee. Connor, how are you? Hello, fellas. I'm doing well. Uh, you guys good? Did you have Merry Christmas? Happy New Year? Thank you. Uh, yeah, what we did, we, we had a great time. Uh, I took a little time off and got some heat for it. But it was fine, Connor. I enjoyed my time <laughs> with my friends and uh, my family. I um, wanted to ask you, is there a TV show you want to see come back? Oh, boy. I mean, that's a great question. I, I chuckled just now because... Uh, those those uh, snippets of of the new Night Court uh, are, are, do look pretty funny. Although the old one, uh, yeah, is I mean, talk about taking us back in time, right? Um, boy, that's a good question. I mean, I my favorite and uh, yeah, Dave McCarthy and I agree on this. My favorite show of all time is Frasier, and I think oh. Frasier is actually coming back. Oh, um, Kelsey Grammer announced in a, in a certain capacity, but I mean, it's one of the most well written shows. Ever. Yeah. I, and so I, I think if I could bring it back, I might actually get my wish with Frazier coming back. No, oh, that's awesome. Uh, that, that is good news. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Frazier back in the day, especially because yeah. now that the whole thing yeah, about working are. in radio, you know, it's like a broadcasting thing, too, for us. <laughs> there has right, to be that, too. Exactly. Did you watch news we, we, radio we, we at all? We geek out a little bit. Did you watch news okay. radio? Oh, God. It's also very good. Also very good. Um, I mean, we had, I mean, WKRP obviously oh, yeah. is yeah, uh, yeah. is taking it even further back. If we want to really delve into it, and uh, you know, we could we could swear that that turkeys could fly. Yes, yeah, there it uh, is. But yeah, uh, that's one of the class. And then uh, that that uh, that show uh, it was twenty five episodes. The newsroom with Jeff Daniels. Did you watch any of that? You know, I, I never did. I missed that one. Was it good? Well, it was okay with Aaron. Like Aaron Sorkin wrote it, and it was mm. like I go. It, yeah. this doesn't newsrooms aren't like this. Yeah. Like, it's not really like this. Like, it's not this dramatic and everyone's so ridiculously articulate on everything they yeah. do. No, it's not like this. Like, it's not. Yeah, Sorkin spent zero time researching what it was yeah. actually like in the newsroom before yeah. he wrote it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, you, also, need, you need to spend some time out in the wild before, uh, yeah. before you yeah. get to it. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and I'm also a big fan of uh, the Olivia Munn. Okay, I um, wanted to ask you, obviously, a couple things. We'll talk about the Denver Broncos a little later, but the Colorado Avalanche, uh, like for a game in January, Connor, for a team that's fresh off winning a Stanley Cup, uh, Avs behind the Flames for that second wildcard spot in the conference right now. How important is this game for the Avalanche tomorrow night in Calgary? Yeah, it's huge, and we've we've gotten to the point over the past week, I mean, um, they lost in Chicago to the Blackhawks, the worst team in the National Hockey League, three to two, and uh, they said that obviously that is not acceptable and and uh, a, a turning point for them. And look, in a year when you win the cup, and I don't care what team you are and uh, what sport you're in, everything has to go your way. You got to get all the bounces. You have to have the health. Um, you have to have your chemistry clicking and everything all the stars align in order for you to win a championship. And that was the case for the avalanche last year. And at the halfway mark, they were 38 and three. 
And they're 18, or at least were 18 points behind that this year um, because of injuries. To I mean, you got Landis God, McKinnon out for a good amount of time. Nachushkin, he finally came back last night. You're missing your entire second D pairing. I mean, obviously you lose a lot of offense and catch during Burakovsky. So it's just not the same, but they're in a spot now where everybody around them, St. Louis, Nashville, um, these type teams are winning pretty much on a nightly basis. And <clears throat> excuse me, you can't go through a stretch where you lose six of seven and they did. Um, and, and so this one tomorrow with Calgary losing in Nashville and, and just a couple points ahead, that's, that's huge for the avalanche to try and, and track both them and Edmonton down. Um, Colorado now with 47 and Alberta collectively with 51 each. This is, this is a huge game tomorrow. This will, this is going to be fun. Connor, got to ask you about uh, just when they're expecting some bodies back. Cause you mentioned this team has dealt with a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Manson's been out since early December. Bowen Byram's been out since early November. Are they looking like they're going to get some mm-hmm. of these guys back soon? Yeah, I, I think so. And Jared Bednar just said on our flagship station this morning on his uh, weekly show, um, like I mentioned, when Chushkin came back last night, played 18 and a half minutes, had an assist. Um, Bo Byram and Josh Manson are actually going to come on this road trip, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, with the Avalanche. They have been skating in, in non-contact sweaters for a little bit now, but uh, they're going to join the group. And it sounds like the timing and the plan is for them to be able to play right after the all-star break. Uh, six games starting tomorrow between, um, between now and, and when the break begins. And, uh, and so I, I think that's when you get the two of them back. Landis Gog is still a ways off. Um, Dennis Malgan will miss some time. Darren Helm re-injured his uh, abductor, what he had uh, off-season surgery on. And then, uh, was placed to, to start the year on LTIR. So, um, I mean, we don't know the severity there. Um, it, it's kind of a bummer for Darren Helm because he came back and maybe questioned the fact that this could be his, his last season, and so you never know. But uh, um, but at, at least they got Nachushkin back last night, and, and you're two very important defensemen. I mean, that changes a lot of the dynamic for Colorado if both Bo Byram and Josh Manson come back both on the ice and, and off the ice, because I do believe you need a lot of personality and, and that's what they've been missing in their captain, Gabe Landeskog mm. and, and both Byram, if you know him at all and Josh Manson um, have a ton of that. And uh, I think that's almost as important as anything uh, when you're, when you're talking about a locker room in general. You had mentioned the loss of Nazem Kadri. It's been JT Comfer and Alex Newhook kind of holding that second line center position for most of the year. And as much as Comfer is one of the more underrated players and Newhook is a player who's coming into his own, is that second line center the, the biggest hole on this team when healthy? You know, it, it's interesting because it's it's sort of lost its its focus as a talking point over the past couple of months mm. um, because everything has just been... Um, sort of a revolving door turnstile. I'm going to add Evan Rodriguez into that conversation mm-hmm. um, because right now he's been playing as a top line winger, but I mean, he's been a, a godsend for the Avalanche, just a one year deal signing him from Pittsburgh um, as an unrestricted free agent. But he's got a personal, uh, even though he missed a couple games in there, the NHL doesn't recognize his consecutive games played, but uh, nine straight games that he's been on the ICS points. 
and uh, he's been able to contribute on the wing at center. Uh, Alex Newhook, probably his best game of his career two nights ago, or now three days ago versus Ottawa. Uh, first time he was ever plus three, scored twice. JT Comfer, golden assist last night, one coming on the power play. So it's sort of been by committee. And as good as Miko Rantanen has been with his production, um, he's at 29 goals now, most of which have come at even strength. We've sort of, and even he's played second line center a lot. We've sort of lost the theme of, of talking about who who's going to be the one guy to replace Nazem Kadri as your second line center. Um, the all-stars in a big way have sort of contributed in a way that we're not talking about that anymore. But, I mean, down the stretch here in the springtime, when it comes to the postseason, um, the Avalanche are going to need some stability and more depth at forward. So I'm really curious to see which direction Chris McFarland goes uh, when it comes to, to an addition. And I'm intrigued to see that as well, because right now Cap Friendly's got the Avalanche listed at 5.6-ish million dollars for deadline cap space. Um, What could you see Joe Sackick doing to this team? Because at the beginning of the year, I thought they were going to be a huge player as far as trying to add one of the big names on the market. But given how the year's gone with injuries and being on the outside looking in, do you think that might change the mindset a bit? Yeah, and uh, and remember that uh, the Chris McFarland was named general manager in the offseason, and, and Joe Sackick is in a sort of president of hockey operations role now, and, and well-deserved. I mean, um, won uh, two cups with the Avalanche as a player, and the third as a general manager, and that's that's some history for Joe Sackick. <clears throat> Excuse me, but for for Chris McFarland, I mean, there's there's two tracks that you can really take, two philosophies, approaches. One is that your team is healthy, near the deadline or at least a month out and and they're playing as best as they can and you see the max potential of your team and then you see how you can make them even better i think that was the avalanche last year so they were were healthy for most of the time they realized that they need a a bigger d and so they got josh manson way before the deadline and then they needed um sort of a, a clutch and tenacious forward and uh, a mini Val Nichushkin, if you will, and that was Arturi Lekkinen, which they got out, went out and got from uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And then they needed some veteran leadership. Andrew Cagliano might have been the very last player through Central Registry uh, on the trade deadline coming over from the San Jose Sharks. So that was the, the healthy team, how do we make it even better approach for Colorado. The other approach could be, well, we don't have a healthy team. We just need bodies that can produce and get us into the postseason. But part of that is the rental market, which is something that Colorado really has never done. The theme with all three of those players I just mentioned, with Lekkinen, Manson, and Cagliano, is that they all signed contracts after they were traded here. It wasn't Claude Giroux or Ben Chirot for Florida when they're traded and they're knocked out and all of a sudden they're on another team come the next season. The, the theory from Joe Sackick and now Chris McFarlane has always been, look, we're not going to give up a ton if this player is not going to be part of the organization for a decent amount of time going forward. Lekkinen, he was an RFA at the time. He signs a five-year extension. Josh Manson stays in Colorado for four, and Cagliano for just one. And and that one was perfectly acceptable for the front office. So that I expect to be true going forward, but it's just the fact do you have a complete, completely healthy team playing it at 100%, and what tweaks do you make to make them a championship contender? Or are you 
injured or shorthanded enough where you just need some bodies, maybe not of the the platinum caliber, just to, to push you over the line and get in and then see what you can do as a wild card team in the postseason. Connor McGahey, the voice of the Colorado Avalanche for Altitude Sports, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russell and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. You also do work uh, for the Denver Broncos as the PA announcer, uh, Connor. Uh, how would you sum up? Can you sum up the Broncos season in one word for us? <laughs> um, yes, and there there are many words to choose from. <laughs> Um, but we will probably go disappointing. Okay. And uh, because everyone went in the training camp. I, I remember being at training camp, and uh, training camp is open basically to, to anybody to come out. There's a big grass hill at Dove Valley, the practice facility for the Broncos, where fans sit down and they just watch drills for almost a month. And it, it's kind of like an outdoor party in the summertime. Everyone's sweating their faces off, and it is kind of fun. But I remember being there and introducing Russell Wilson to fans for the first time and handing the mic over to him, and he spoke to everybody, and everybody was feeling good. And the talk about the Broncos was that they were just sort of a quarterback away from being a playoff team again. And this is a a team that won the Super Bowl in 2015 uh, with Peyton Manning and hasn't been back to the postseason since. And – you think that you get that quarterback and it's going to push you over the line, but you don't think of the other. Again, we were talking about chemistry early, um, earlier in the, in the show, and that was something that seemed to be off from some coaching hires, the entire staff, and and that sort of trickled down to, to how the team operated. So the gears didn't exactly line up. And so that's why they have to do it right this time around with, with whoever's going to lead the charge. And, so Broncos fans went from expecting to be a playoff team to uh, all of a sudden not even barely getting to, to five wins on the season. So um, that was a huge drop off a cliff and uh, really hadn't seen anything like it. But I I would expect the, the new ownership group of, of, of Penner Walton um, to really do everything right and, and never be really in this spot ever again. Mm. Wouldn't it be fascinating because Sean Payton apparently is bringing Vic Fangio over as his DC? Wouldn't that be neat if oh, he's no. reunited in Denver as the DC? No, you're not. You're not oh, liking that. Well, I just, I just know that, I just know fans in this town. And okay. <laughs> once, once, once you, once you leave, you know what I mean. It's not oh, exactly okay. welcome back. Like I think Gary Kubiak was Kubiak left, you know, to, to take other opportunities, but. Um, you know, he, he played quarterback for the Broncos once upon a time. And, mm. and, you know, there are some things that you can do to, to endear yourself and get yourself into the, the heart of, of a Broncos fan. And, and I don't think Vic Fangio uh, personality wise, performance wise did that. And, and maybe it would be small potatoes. Now, the good part about it is he's an incredible defensive coordinator. Yes. He is, was with Chicago would be if Sean Payton brings him over the, the question that, that the owners have to answer is what sort of compensation are they willing to give up for a head coach of anything? Um, do they want to go for a guy where they can just write a check and, and be done with it? Um, or uh, are they going to part with the first round pick that they were able to get back in a Bradley Chubb trade to Miami uh, after they gave them all the way to Seattle yeah. for, for a head coach to, oh to put a hand on the helm. So it's very complicated, but uh 
But yeah, Fangio, Fangio coming back to town. I would be interested to yeah. see any reaction from fans. If but here's the thing: if they win, nobody cares. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Connor McGahee, Colorado Avalanche, play-by-play for Altitude Sports, does stuff for the Broncos. Uh, Connor, great stuff. Thanks for this. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Will do, boys. Thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you. There he goes, Connor McGahee on the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. I wonder what the challenges might have been for him this year as he's had to, you know, navigate these injuries. And we know Connor loves to have his little lines for his players, right? Andre yeah. the Giant again! For yep. Andre Burakovsky or Val Nichushkin. It's the 2-2 two, two trade! But he's had to go through a lot of guys that have come up from the minors. Yeah. And I just, I wonder if he's been able to, to have them all. I have like a, that stuff. A, a little riff. For everybody. I like that stuff. Connor's a great guest uh, and uh, should be a super interesting year in Denver with the Broncos, especially this offseason, after just being terrible and expectations just sky I'm, high and just a abysmal season. And the Seahawks sitting there with their first round pick. Yeah, right. Great. Just just like just the uh, Pete Carroll petting a hairless cat <laughs> in front of a roaring fire right now. Going, thanks for the draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> like swishing around a snifter of brandy. You never see his face like it's uh, yeah. Mr. Or Inspector Gadget. Just the back of his head. Just those that they curly oh, yeah. locks, the white hair. For sure. Um, two things I want to, three things I want to get to. Three things. Uh, you, you mispronouncing something, okay. uh, our text line. Mm-hmm. And right now, uh, Canada, we had some Canadians in action down under. At day two of the Australian Open, Down uh, our intern Noah's here all week, mm-hmm. and he has another. Do you have? The, do we have the didgeridoo going right here? Can we get it fired up, Give Alex? Me a sec. Give me a sec. Wow, wow, like, how are you? Wow, wow, like, wow. Got a lot going on here. Why? Ah, uh. are you stressed <laughs> out right now? No, 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 no. no. There you go. Thank you, man. You ready for your update here on how Canada did Noah? I was born ready. Okay. I like, oh, there we go. I like the cut of your jib. What's a jib? All right, go ahead. Okay, so two Canadians were in action on the women's side, as we will start with Leila Fernandez, as she defeated French Elise Cornette in straight sets 7-5 and 6-2. I like that match, too. Uh, Leila looked good. I watched a lot of this match. Uh, Down early, storm back and won. Look at your blank face. What? uh... (laughs) I watch more tennis than you give me credit for. Okay. Like, I give you credit for zero tennis. I've watched quite a bit over the last couple of years. <laughs> okay. All right. Why do you get, gotta get so defensive? Because you throw me under the bus for no reason. Okay, I'll throw you under the bus in a minute when you try to say valedictorian. And that's fair, because there's <laughs> okay. a reason. Okay. Go ahead, Noah. What else we got? And then the other women's matchup, Catherine Sebov unfortunately fell to number four ranked in the world, Caroline Garcia, and also in straight set 6-3-6-0. Mm. Do you have what's on tap tonight? Absolutely. Yes. Felix Auger-Alassimi will take on right, Alex Moncan at 6.15. Yep. And Denis Shapovalov will take on nice. Taro Daniel at 7.20. Great job, Noah. I'm looking forward to seeing how those matches transpire tomorrow. Absolutely. Great job. Thanks, Thank guys. you. Um, earlier on in the show, uh, again, this it happens on our show, <laughs> and we don't hide from anything. No. When we make a, a blunder or an, like just a bad error, we like to, you know, just own it. Like when I say 590 instead of 960, you guys are all over me like a dirty shirt. Oh, yeah. And it happens. You don't do that here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, early on in the show, 
Uh, Maddie tried to spit out the word valedictorian. Yeah, six syllables. Of course, I'm going to yeah. have trouble with this one. Yeah, like on on uh, on Inside the Lines, I fumbled Minneapolis. I couldn't say it. I don't know why. It just wouldn't come out of my mouth properly. It was just it was just awful. Yeah. And that happens. But you had a bit of an incident earlier on in the show. Alex, do we have the clip? Our valedictorian works for NASA. <laughs> Your valedictorian works. Okay, it was actually not nearly as bad as I thought it was. I swapped, did, did you only swap, get the one? Valid Victorian. Valid Victorian. Swap the D and the V. Okay. It could have been worse. Not bad. It was when we went down the rabbit hole and we kept saying the word over and over again. And, and then, then you, I got confused. Then you get in one of those situations where you're like, is this even really a word? Yeah. Like, galaxy brain yourself? A uh, couple quick texts, too, on uh, people, what they like to see back. Lloyd, bring back Alf and Super Friends. We've got Alf a lot. Like Brad and Airdrie, too. Bring back ALF. And do people know that ALF is also just an acronym? Alien life form? Yeah. Boom. And he eats cats, and he's yeah. from the planet Melmac? Yeah. Uh, he, like, Maddie Rose is just blankly staring at no, him. No, I, right I know that he eats cats, because when I was on Jack, I, I learned that he eats cats, and I was flabbergasted. This uh, is something that we just Jesse, allowed. Jesse, South Calgary, too. Give me some pros versus Joes again. We've seen that a lot. Uh-huh. On there. Uh, really like it, too. Uh, the dating game, they actually did bring that back. It was with uh, Michael Bolton oh. and Zoe Deschanel. Oh, lovely. Really? Yeah. Like, Michael Bolton's a legend. Yeah. I He's really Mr. loved him Love. in, uh, what was the Lonely Island song you did? Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, but I, I know mm. what you mean. You know the one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I do know what you mean. He it's has really the good. amazing verse in it. Yeah, and also, uh, on Valentine's Day, the, the edition of The Big Show, we're only exclusively going to play Michael Bolton songs in and out of every break. The song's called Jack Sparrow. Yeah, Jack Sparrow, yeah. We're only going to play Michael Bolton that entire day. Sure. In and out of breaks, too. Great. Not only into the show, <laughs> but into, into the breaks, break. too. Because if there's anybody who is love and signifies love and passion, it's Michael Bolton. Yeah, 100%. We'll do yeah. it. I'm, I'm in. As uh, long as we can sneak Jack Sparrow in at least one. Uh, thanks to all of uh, your text messages. Uh, it blew up a chat in Royal York, SCTV. Uh, that's kind of cool. Inspector Gadget. Uh, we've seen two uh, Justin and Airdrie eastbound and down. Um, Airwolf has <laughs> been a lot. I can't believe how much people love Airwolf in the city of Calgary. <laughs> It's very it's awesome. Jason Silverado, bring back Friday Night Lights. Chris and Cochran, Simon and Simon. Uh, a lot of, let's bring back Chuck Norris uh, in Living Color. Great job, TJ. Loved in Living Color back in the day. Um, Hogan's Heroes. Oh, boy. Um, Walker, Texas Ranger again. Shane in Calgary. Yeah, anything Gossip Girl, Jeremy in Calgary. Gossip Girl's back, but okay. Is it, it is back, yeah. Okay. All right, sorry. Like, mm. And Dukes of Hazard too. I just don't think they can have the Confederate flag on top of the old General Lee. Not appropriate for 2020. No, you can't do that. No. There's There might be a few amendments that we have to make to a couple of these shows to bring them back. Um, I think they can call the show More Big Show. More Big Show. Yeah, or like Bigger Show. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Yeah. <laughs> fat <Okay>. bastard? <laughs> Is that a fat bastard? Yeah, it is. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Love that. It's not bad. Nice. Um, uh, the bigger or more show, more big show from 9 to 10, straight ahead with producer Patrick Dumont, technical director Alex Brody. Uh, that's it for us. We only do three hours. Oh, Peace out. Don't ask me to do any more. Yeah, and then like people are like, why can't George and Matt do four hours? Bro, I already crank out 18 hours of content a week. I do three hours on Sunday, too. The show's three hours long, but yeah. I, I do two I hours of prep I signed up for three before, hours. So, yeah.
I moved across country by myself to do three hours. Now back in the cage, monkey. Back in my apartment, a.k.a. my prison cell. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. More Big Show next. Bye. Bye.